Hi, welcome to Clitterly Speaking, the podcast. I'm Michelle Doherty. And I'm Emily Lane. We are BFFs dedicated to bringing you conversations between girlfriends over a bottle of wine. Oh, I am so excited about the wine part. Oh, me too. So pull up a chair, grab your glass, and let's get talking. Well, hey, Emily, how are you? Hey, 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 Michelle. <laughs> hey, 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 Emily. I'm great. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I'm thrilled to be here once again in our favorite little home away from home. I know. It feels like we haven't been here forever, but it was just a couple weeks ago. I know. I know. Long overdue. Like, Yeah, lots have happened in between yeah. then. So That's right. You know. Yes. So, um yeah, it's nice to be back. You know, I was looking forward to it all day long. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. And, you know, as, as each hour passed, my um, my uh, taste buds started getting getting anxious for what is about to come. Uh, likewise. Yes. I was like, what am I going to drink tonight? Mm-hmm. And I am so excited about it. Yes. So we have a delicious wine and an absolutely fascinating guest. So where should we start? I think let's introduce our guest first. Okay. That sounds great. So today... <laughs> Today we have Lacey Reinhardt with us. She's a new friend, but definitely like it was like we're instant friends. Yes, we um, we met at Medici, the same place that has has garnered many friendships um, for us here at Clitorally Speaking. And uh, when Lacey and I started talking, and she shared with me um, about you know a little bit about her personal passion and how it's becoming her profession, it and it's just absolutely fascinating. I was like, "Ooh, I think we need to get you on the podcast." <laughs> so she is the founder of Haunted SDL, and they explore places uh, in St. Louis, places of urban legend, places that have paranormal activity going on. And what I like about her approach is that it's it's beyond telling a ghost story. It, she really dives into the historical precedents behind each story. So much of what she does um, is involved with education and preservation of these great historical landmarks. So, so welcome. we're going to learn a lot today, aren't we? Yeah, on the maybe. episode, maybe. <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic. Well, welcome, Thank Lacey, you. to clearly speaking the podcast. Yeah, um, we're looking forward to this conversation. And so, what wine are we drinking to accompany our yes, uh, our ghostly experience? Yes. So I thought, um, you know, in case things get a little scary today, <laughs> I thought, why don't we have a little white night? to keep us safe. So that is exactly what we are drinking, the White Knight. It is a Viognier from Clarksburg, California. It's 2017. And, um, you know, I think that this is one of those great value wines that you're going to be really happy we discovered. It comes in at $10. Nice. And um, it's quite delicious. One of the things that appealed to me, by the way, when I was reading up on this, uh-huh. uh, the, the, the maker likes to call this lush, sexy, and alluring, which, of course, are some of my favorite words. So. Well, I think that totally describes us and our podcast every single time. That's right. Lush, sexy, and alluring. Absolutely. And I wanted to make sure that our listeners out there knew it was White Knight with a K-N-I-G-H-T, yes. not White Knight as in N-I-G-H-T. So. That's a, yes. And I think that's kind of apropos because I just got back from Scotland. See? You know, Jealous. the land of Jealous. the ladies, the damsels, the sirs, the knights. You know, mm. at the queens. So this is relevant. the beheadings, oh, the yes. ghosts, the yeah, lots of lots of great things in Scotland, and I cannot wait to go back. 
So, so anyway, let's, well, let's get into this let's wine. Try our wine. Cheers, Cheers, everyone. Cheers. So I, I think I'm, I'm looking forward to tasting this a little bit more. I just cracked the bottle, so I haven't had much time to really dissect it. But right out of the gate, I'm getting white peach and a little pear, a little honeysuckle, a little melon. I, I think that there's some really nice citrus notes in here too. I'm getting a little kind of clementine and um, lime. What, what, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, Emily, I could, t- I could taste the peach. Mm-hmm. That came off pretty easy for me. The, all the other things, I, I, mm-hmm. I don't, not quite um, getting. I don't quite get any of those yeah. things. Um, but my question is, this might seem a little silly. You have to let white wines breathe too, just like red wines. You know, I, I think a common mistake with white wines is that they're over chilled. Like okay. a lot of times, they're too cold, and and it helps them to you know. Get a little bit closer to, I mean, not room temperature, but you know, right. let them let them warm up a little bit, and I think more of those aromatics come out. Okay. Um, personally, I, I think that that's a, a common mistake, yeah. um, and it could be. I mean, this has been, you know, it's a nice cold day outside, and <laughs> it's been, you know, well chilled. So it's really cold day. Well, it's very good. I mean, I like the fact that it's not too sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, like some some white wines, I just can't drink because they're can't too, do the super sugary. Yeah, no offense to Missouri wines, but a little too sweet. And then I feel it more the next day, and mm-hmm. that's a problem. Yes, that's a problem. I agree. As I get further away from the age of twenty one, that becomes a problem. <laughs> um, but- I think it was always a problem personally. Like <laughs> I think that. Hangovers were always bad. I just think as a younger person, I I ignored my body more. And now, like, with a little bit more age, I, I care for this, you know, precious vessel. <laughs> and, and maybe our body is just a little louder with the hangover <laughs> now than it was. Or the responsibilities are greater Mm-hmm. Maybe the next morning. Well, you have so, to get up and you know go to work or take care of your family versus like staying in bed till three, four o'clock in the afternoon to get ready to go out and do it again. Well, the sugar <laughs> crash has something to do with hangovers too, though, right? Like how much sugar is in your Absolutely. wine can make it that much more awful. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So, what about you? What are what are your taste buds saying, Lacey? I am picking up on something a little spicy in there. I definitely get some spice. I, yeah. I love my wines. I like my French wines. I like my Oregon mm-hmm. wines. I have never had this, and I think it's really good. And so especially, what did you say? This was only like $10. $10. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's I, I looking it up online, you'll see a price range. I, I saw it as high as 17 pretty consistently between 13 and 15 Our friends at the wine merchant have it for under 10 So... Yeah, no. yeah, and I think the uh, the old, I guess, anecdotal evidence leaning toward if it's a screw off, it's not as good is um, long yeah. been dispelled. I mm-hmm. think that's not a thing anymore. Definitely true. Yeah, a lot of very well respected wineries are going with this route, uh, which I think. It solves a, co- a lot of different problems, uh, problems with bottles being corked. And <laughs> not, yes, although there is a great method for getting a, um, a bottle of wine open if you don't have a corkscrew. What is that? A share? Y- y- a shoe. 
you can use a shoe to open your wine bottle. Now, we have done this at home, folks. It is true. You a can heel? use a shoe. No, so it's like a method of... <laughs> we'll, we'll take a video and show everybody who, who's so, like got yeah, questions about how Instagram, to do this. I'm sure yeah, soon. Yeah, that's but, a life hack. But you... you, you it, has to do with taking, you know, you need a shoe that's got a nice hard sole on it, but plenty of cushion in there too, and you kind of bang it against the wall several times. <laughs> who, who discovered this? What desperate person? Does it person? pop the cork like into the wine, or, or no, does it, it, it? It pops it out it, little by little, and then when you finally get it far enough out, it's safe pull. enough to pull. Oh. So Ken and I have done this on multiple occasions. Um, once when we were locked out of our apartment for several hours, <laughs> and we were on our way to an event, so we decided um, that while we wait, we'll to just drink. drink the wine that mm. we had helped yeah. the time go by exactly mm. and it worked beautifully so yeah. I, I have to see this it was he was taught the method by a Frenchman so okay okay so go. it is legitimate it isn't yes. something he just came up with on the spot <laughs> just to go oh I'm so fancy watch me I learned it from a French I thought I was cool I can open a beer bottle with a lighter just with oh, the, the well, yeah. suction and the, the I don't know the leverage and I thought that was a great trick oh. I I can top that I can open a beer bottle by having somebody else do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to say, uh, you open this, please? And it gets open. It is amazing. That's you know, great. It saves my fingernails. I don't That's have to scrape. My, don't have to scrape my faint, my my tender, important palm yes. skin. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. You know. I, that's mm-hmm. how I. That's how I roll. Especially since I got back from Scotland. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you have a lot of good wine when you were in Scotland? I did have a lot of good wine. Um, I also had, for the first time, um, Guinness and Jameson. I know we were in like Scotland, a- but like you know, like a like a half pint. Oh yes. uh, of Guinness and then the Jameson back, and it was like, wow, I could really get used to this. Yeah. So you you like it's a, like you have a Guinness as a both. chaser. Well, I'm si- I'm drinking them both. Oh, you side know, by sip, side. Yeah, sipping. <gasps> that does sound good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Guinness is good beer. Oh, I like it. It's it was, actually lighter than a lot of people think. It was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I knew you guys and higher in iron. It's so it's like a vitamin. It's is a, what you're it's saying? Like, yeah. Right, right. And I wasn't sure if I was going to like it, so I only ordered the half pint, which my friends were like, half pint? I go, yeah, they have half pints. Trust me, they'll have half. And uh, so we had just all had half pints, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to go get another one. <laughs> I'll have another. Yeah, right. It was when good. in Scotland? Yeah, when in Scotland. Do drink the Scots? Drink Guinness. Or drink, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently there's a Scottish stout also, and I just didn't have that. But we went to a lot of great places. I had some good Pinot Noir, and I, I mm. did drink this one. Um, a uh, bottle of wine. I sent the, you a picture of it, Emily, mm-hmm. and the, the label was Debbie Does Pinot. And so I think <laughs> oh we need to gosh. find that <laughs> and do that here. We absolutely so. do. And FYI, if you're traveling over there, when they ask you for your glass of what, like, if you want to, like, the medium or the full or large, I mean, they, they're, uh, just go with the medium. Oh, really? Because the full or the large is a lot of wine. Hmm. And I mean, I granted, so granted I still drank it all when I had the, but I was like, wow, I'm really, I'm really feeling it. And there's like, well, it's because you're having fulls, you know, like the whole, it was a lot. Wow. Yeah. So they, they, they give you the offer of, you know, the small or the medium and, and the large. I mean, small just seems like a waste of time. So <laughs> it did, it did, but um, the full is a lot. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is yeah. good information. Yeah. Did you see any yeah. ghosts in Scotland? Well, see them. I 
did not see the ghost, but I feel like I felt a felt ghosts. And um, I'll explain. Um, when we were walking along this one section of, we were in Edinburgh, uh, myself and two other uh, friends, dear friends of mine. And we had gone into this, I think the St. Giles Church. Um, and I was feeling a little uneasy, like like my legs were a little unstable. I didn't feel like I had low blood sugar, but I mean, I d- it was like vertigo, but not a not my own physical vertigo, you know. But it was mm-hmm. like, oh, well, maybe it's just maybe it's just me as I'm walking around. I knew it was. I mean, it was really old. It was a church, and they're you know rehabbing mm-hmm. it and stuff. And and I knew I I was just kind of I just sort of put it in the back of my head a little bit. I didn't want to like Mm -hmm. lay down on the ground and go, oh my God, I'm feeling spirits, right? (laughs) I've met those people. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't want to do that. No, I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) Because I wasn't quite sure. And then we went across the street from that and we did the Mary, Mary King, sorry, Mary King's Close tour. So Mary King's Close and that's C-L-O-S, the Mm -hmm. closes are little, they're like little streets they're very narrow kind of like uh, we would call them sort of like footpaths but they were heavily traveled back in the back in the day medieval medieval times you know Mm -hmm. and um, and you would think that it's you underground only because they built on top of it but um, in the back originally they just kept building houses or the tenements just got higher and higher so you could have like a six story tenement and then you have maybe five feet between you know between the the structures and it would, I mean, they're so hilly. Edinburgh is very hilly. So uh, the incline is very, uh, very sharp. And um, that one close, though, did get um, built over. And so all the people that lived there had to move out because the uh, Edinburgh at the time that they um, built over, it said, no more living. You can't live underground. Um, but this, all, this close also was where um, uh, the building we were in was where Mary Queen of Scots had one of her her last night. Um, when she oh. was uh, fleeing Edinburgh before she was um, before she was uh, um, beheaded, and so they showed us like where a room like people not not well, much smaller than this studio were in like sixteen adults would live in them, and you would share one bucket to use the rest to pee in. I mean, this is like I learned so many. Cli- I know the origin of so many cliches. Not a pot to piss in. Oh, knee right. deep in shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, they called Edinburgh the reeky city. Okay, because it's smelly. That's why you say, "Oh, you reek." Oh, Duh. amazing! I, you know, it was my grammar tour, a grammar and Guinness <laughs> tour. But I, when I went to the waiting room for this one tour, we were guided, and you know, she showed us where Mary Queen of Scots was, where people lived, where like uh, describing um, the the plague and uh, the, what the people were going through. I mean, really well done. I felt the same sort of uneasiness in the waiting hmm. room, and oh, I was like, interesting. And I, and I asked, I asked uh, my friends Nikki and Shannon. I go, hey, do you guys feel a little uneasy too? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was looking, like trying to get some kind of, and they didn't. They just looked at me and they didn't like respond right away. But as we mm-hmm. continued to go lower, more underground, um, Nikki had to leave. She was so overwhelmed with mm-hmm. the the energy. She had to leave. She went back up, and Shannon and I continued going through. And Shannon's like, I feel it. And so I, like I said to you, was my idea was that I was sort of being knocked off my balance by 
energies mm-hmm. and a lot of sadness. Does that sound like what people have described to you before? Well, in a place like that, you've got a few different things that might be contributing to that. It could truly be exactly what you think it is. It's that um, heavy with residual energy, okay. especially when you had things like the plague and, and all that anxiety, right? Probably a little stressed out before the day you're beheaded, yeah, that will leave some residue. But there are also things like EMF, you know, especially as you go further and further what underground. Is EMF? So EMF is electromagnetic field, oh, yes. and a lot of scary basements around here that people think are haunted. It's not that they're haunted; that's just where they keep the deep freezer and the television and the treadmill. And there is such a, a heavy amount of appliances and electrical energy. Maybe your fuse box is down there. Maybe there's a short in a fuse box somewhere. Some people are sensitive to that um, anyway. And sometimes those people who are sensitive to EMF from um, explainable sources are also sensitive to paranormal types of energy. One does not automatically equal the other. Okay. It doesn't rule out the other either though. So EMF can be ghost food in a way. They have to get their energy from somewhere. Okay. But a lot of those um, medieval castles and things have a lot of residual energy. Well, there were no air conditioners or deep freezers down there. I can tell you that <laughs> uh, for sure. But I, I would think the... Um, I would think the concentration of people. And, and the thing to understand or I try to explain is that the further we went underground, but it was only underground because they built on top of it. It really wasn't below Earth. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Because mm-hmm. it was everything was still mm-hmm. above the Earth, but we, they had built on top of it. Um, but when I went to the castle, I didn't feel any. I didn't feel unstable at all. I thought maybe it's because it's been whitewashed, or you know, it's not really whitewashed, but maybe because over time, it, you would think. Although I didn't go into the prison portion of the castle, that would have been interesting. Yeah, um, I didn't really do that. Um, but and then when I went to the palace, the Holyrood Palace, I didn't feel any of the unstable un- instability there either. Are, are you of Scottish descent at all? I actually am. Okay. So that was that pretty might have cool. something to do with it. I, um, I, my family has done the twenty, uh, the ancestry.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, on this trip, it, they're like lots of light bulbs, not only, you know, for cliches, but lots of light bulbs, um, was... Our family heritage came back, you know, England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, and, you know, Scandinavia. Well, I was unaware how many times the Vikings raided Scotland. Mm. I was like, well, now it all makes sense why I feel completely at home in Sweden and I feel completely at home in Scotland. And I think that's on a cellular level mm-hmm. as opposed to just, oh, I really wish I lived here. And that you know. could have been some of what you were picking up too. If you had family or descendants or ancestors, that that's your own. Yeah, that's your own. I didn't even think about it like mm-hmm. that. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. So, Lacey, how did you get into this business? I mean, this is this is such an interesting field. And what what happened that one <laughs> day you're like, you? yeah, one day you're like, one oh, day you like this. One yeah. day you were just this nice girl working at the flower shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I actually have rather eccentric parents and I grew up, um, most of my life in North St. Louis city, North County. Dad lived in Baden, not New Baden, 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 uh-huh. and Mom lived in Jennings. And there were no shortage of abandoned buildings when I was a kid. And my dad really gave me um, 
an appreciation for preservation and being able to to see in my mind's eye how beautiful a building used to be. To me, urban decay isn't as ugly as it is to some people. Um, my whole family on my father's side is from Old North St. Louis. So, you know, Old North, as they call it, or Hyde Park area, that's mm-hmm. sort of where we're from. So I sort of always had a, a maybe an overconfidence that I belonged there. And as soon as I could explore some of these old buildings, I did. And it was, they call it urban exploration. Now it's it's trespassing, so I don't recommend it. <laughs> but uh, before everybody had cameras everywhere, um, it was fun to sort of explore these things. And there would be some odd experiences that maybe I would have, but I didn't really attribute them to paranormal things. However, after spending 20 years working with animals in veterinary medicine and animal welfare, you learn communication without speaking English, um, especially when you're dealing with, you know, emotional service animals and, and mm-hmm. service dogs and things like that. They're trained to pick up things like diabetic episodes mm-hmm. and seizures before they happen. Mm-hmm. And I wondered why some people couldn't legitimately have some extra sensitivities and not be crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm from the show me state. I don't believe a lot of people who who think they have these gifts who tout them really do. I think there's some attention seeking there. And I, I think you have to weed out the lunatics from the people that really have some of those abilities. But at this point, my own curiosity married with just all the different people that I've met Mm-hmm. In my life and along the way that I've put together a, a team of paranormal investigators that have no business being in the same room with each other. How, what do you mean by that? Um, we have people from both sides of the political spectrum. We've got people of different ethnicities on our paranormal team. You can't expect to communicate with sp- Spirits of a, a bygone era and expect to talk to them the way we talk to people mm-hmm. now. I mean, there are some male spirits that wouldn't have talked to me 150 years ago. So sometimes you have to have people that can bridge that gap for you. I think it's a little egotistical when you see some of these shows or some of these teams that walk into a, a house and, and demand that the spirit interact yeah, with them. Right. <laughs> They'll be like kneeling in your house and, and demanding that you talk to me. Right. Um, it doesn't really work like that. Mm-hmm. I think if you... you got to earn some trust. Yeah, well, exactly. When was, like, if you remember, what was the first interaction you had with a spirit that, like, left you going, okay, this is legitimate that what I feel or how I'm feeling? You know, my mom would tell me about the house that we lived in seeing... Um, a full-bodied apparition of a man down the hallway. And she had talked about, you know, a family photo, not just falling off the wall, but forcefully Mm -hmm. leaving the wall and breaking. And I would say my mom is probably, she has some sensitivities, I think, but they, it's not something she wants to explore. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that has trickled down through the genes or not. I don't really have a whole lot of time to explore that. But there's always been a feeling that there's more than meets the eye in some of these places. But I really, I, the first time where I knew that was happening happening um, was only a couple of years ago. 
Again, wow. from the show me state, I I, mm-hmm. I suspected I had you know crazy yeah. dreams when I was a kid. I had an out of body experience when I was seven. Yeah, I could you know see my own surgical procedure happening and Ooh. could tell you all the details about it. Ooh. But I, it just felt normal, I guess. And and now that I am surrounding myself with people who have done this for so much longer and know what they're looking at and looking for, I'm realizing how many experiences in the past probably were paranormal and I didn't know it. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. I, I couldn't tell you when the, the first real experience happened, but the first time I knew mm-hmm. was a couple of years ago. And what was it? I'm dying to know. Um, it was a spirit of a fugitive slave, actually, that wasn't very happy. Okay. And um, I was with two of the women that are on my team now, Jen and Lisa, and we were in a, a basement of an old building and they were communicating and Jen has a, a, a social worker background, mental health background, and it sounded like she was doing conflict resolution with this spirit <laughs> and I, you don't see that on TV, that's right. not anything I was used to and it felt very surreal, but she and Lisa asked the spirit to knock three times and make a noise and you know let its presence be known and it did but I'm the only one that heard it. Oh. I was looking at them waiting for a reaction and they didn't That's have one. So that got my attention and then we could hear this the spirit walking on gravel toward us and, and all, no everybody gravel. could hear that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I just remember being really scared. Yeah. And I had just met these women. I did not know them at all. And I pretty much latched on to Lisa and was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And that, you know, you just know. Yeah. It's a cell on that cellular level. You just know. Mm-hmm. And that's that caveman fight or flight comes out. And when it's a personal experience, you know, but that that's hard to mm-hmm. that's hard to prove. It, oh. it, it's hard. I've. I've you know, I've been around a lot of people. I've been around a lot of believers, and I've been around a lot of non-believers. And I can completely understand if you haven't gone through an experience yourself how difficult it can be to to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I def- I love open-minded skeptics. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah they're my favorite. <laughs> well, you're gonna have to help me understand that one a little bit more. Um, is it's it, an oxymoron? I appreciate people who are open-minded enough that they're willing to take a tour with me. And I don't have a scripted tour. I can't do that. It's very conversational. I do smaller tour groups. I like to to get a baseline of what information people already bring. What do they already know? What is their area of interest? If you don't believe in entities manifesting, do you believe in metaphysics? Do you believe in some spirituality like what's your level right. and i can work with that no matter sure. what it is especially the area around here we've got so many factors that contribute to paranormal activity whether it's what the second largest river in the world that's running through our backyard um the native american history the fact that we're on a massive limestone cave system between two major river confluence points, combine that with, you know, cholera epidemics and civil war history and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the things that have gone on around here. It's not surprising that we have so much activity. I have a a question for you. Uh, I was just thinking about this. Um, When you say the civil war, cholera, you know, the uh, Native Americans, um, you know, the Underground Railroad, how... How recent ghosts 
or how recent, like, like, um, you know, World War II or, you know, 1960s. I mean, how in the paranormal world, like how recent could, could there be? I mean, we always think they're really old, right? Or they're, you know, way back when, but I just, it just hit me. I was just curious, like in your experience, it, are, are you able to find people of, you know, 20 years ago or mm-hmm. 10 years ago? There are factors that contribute to that as okay. well. So sort of, you know, along the lines of the EMF being ghost food, if there's an energy source and you have a spirit that wants to manifest, you, you've got a higher probability of that occurring there's residual and there are intelligent hauntings residual is the instant replay this was a pattern someone had in life mm-hmm. um, gettysburg is a great example of residual mm-hmm. energy energy you've right. got all these young men you know mm-hmm. charging into battle and then just boom they're dead mm-hmm. and that that wasn't the plan that's not supposed to be and so they may be a little more resistant to cross over to whatever that other side mm-hmm. is for them Places like Jefferson Barracks, where you had, you know, sentinels, people with patterns, uh, castles, the old medieval Mm -hmm. castles. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you were not ready or there's just a lot of EMF, um, you might still be reliving those day-to-day patterns that you had in life. Um, Intelligent hauntings, there are numerous theories for why, what causes them, why do people stick around. What do you mean by an intelligent haunting? Something that you can communicate with. Okay. Um, like the knock three times mm-hmm. person or yeah. spirit. Okay. And then what do you call like a, a haunting that is aggressive or, you know, because I've always kind of felt, oh, as long as they can't hurt me, I'm fine. But to be quite honest with you, I've been in situations that felt like I was actually in danger. So um, I, I don't, I don't know what to call it other than Spirits are are dead people, Mm. and I don't think that a lot of aggressive spirits are demonic. I think that's incredibly, incredibly rare. Mm -hmm. I think that you might have someone who's angry, someone who might feel disrespected, someone who you're interfering in some way with whatever's Mm. going on with them. Um, I used to roll my eyes when people talked about being attacked by spirits, and I just thought that's... That sounds crazy to me. How can that happen until it happened to me? And it will get your attention. And again, you know, there's a a happy, fun adrenaline rush when something friendly Mm -hmm. communicates. And then there's the opposite where it's like, oh, that's not good. You know, I I have never found even the happy, friendly communications. I've never found that to be very fun. (laughs) I'm just kind of like, I'm a scaredy cat, you know, like. I get scared too. I get scared too. I can walk into an abandoned crack house like I own it. But if my team leaves me alone mm-hmm. in a place where we've like validated paranormal activity, I don't want to be in there by myself. I don't want <laughs> right. to like look over and see a dead person. Right. That would freak me out. I'm human. Yeah. But we have had some really um really sweet interactions. We had a, a child spirit that wanted to play with the family dog. And that there's nothing scary about that. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. that was really cool. But then there mm-hmm. were some other times where I was ready to leave. Yeah, yeah. right. I definitely understand that. Um, you had mentioned earlier that you know you feel that there might be some generational, you know, with you and your mother, uh, generation generational sensitivities. And mm-hmm. I definitely feel within my family we have that as well. My grandmother was very sensitive to. Sp- 
spirits my mom is. Um, and definitely I've had, um, I've had many, many, many experiences throughout my life, multiple homes and multiple, multiple places that I've traveled in that spirits feel very comfortable with presenting themselves. And I really feel that I have to kind of work pretty hard to like not be open because I I honestly don't want to engage. <laughs> I really don't want to engage. It terrifies me. Um, and that might sound really selfish because maybe I could be doing something to help people but or help these spirits. But I, I, I find it extremely uncomfortable. Um, what, what about you, Michelle? Have, are, do you have multiple generations in your family that are... Well, we don't talk about it. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my, my mom or, nor my dad has said anything about having, you know, being open or, or, mm-hmm. or spirits or anything like that. Um, I think, you know, I would joke about when I lived down in Mississippi, this one house we lived in, um, we always, uh, sometimes we would walk into the kitchen and there would be a drawer open or, or the dryer would just randomly come mm-hmm. on and we would, you know, we would just mm-hmm. say, Hey Dorothy, how are you doing? Cause we knew that was the name of the old woman who had the last, you know, person before we started renting the house. So we would just address her by name and just mm-hmm. try to be, whether it was her or not, we didn't know. That's what we did. And then um, that was in, I was in college. And then the house I currently live in, um, I know that the first owners both um, passed away in the house. Mm. Uh, they never had any children. Um, but um, when I was I was smudging my house and mm. I remember like going through certain rooms, I was like, wow, I feel like I'm, I'm walking through quicksand, you know, Ooh, yeah. just because it was just harder to get through, you know? Um, and I, and I learned it was cause that was the room that, uh, the, own, the, the, the husband had passed away. And okay. so I was like, oh, maybe that's what that's about. Um, but then I also know that, you know, energy kind of stays with things and, mm-hmm. and the people that we bought our house from when we did 20 years ago, they, they were an unhappy couple and so we had all of their negative energy mm-hmm. in the room then my ex-husband mm-hmm. and I divorced so with that negative energy then I had my parents who had split up and their furniture you know so I had like I had a lot of things you know sort of um, attached to your um, property right? attached to the mm-hmm. property and um, I've worked pretty hard on you know clearing all of that out mm-hmm. I'll you know burn sage just because mm-hmm. I want to um, let's, let's talk about the smudging aspect for a little bit because I hear I hear a lot of people talk about it smudging a space and you know in theory I understand um, the purpose of it um, in your understanding of it is how frequently do you need to smudge a space and how how does why does this work and yeah, yeah. Tell me more about this. There are a million different ways to yeah. go about those things, and depending on who you talk to and what their belief system is, they'll they'll tell you, you know, do it in a counterclockwise direction. No, <sighs> do it from east to west. I mean, everybody's got do with all the windows open, right? Everybody's got their own way. I think some of the the non. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the, the things that you have to do are smudge around windows and doors, and the idea is that you're clearing negative energy, not necessarily cleansing spirits from a house. Okay. I know people that have that in their repertoire. I, I don't claim to know how to do that. When people call and, and they're looking for help or they want an investigation, the first thing I ask is, have you asked the spirit to stop? scaring you. Mm-hmm. Have you verbalized that out loud? And I'm getting much more comfortable talking to thin air these days <laughs> right. doing those things. I didn't used to be so comfortable with that. But um, 
Yes. I, there are some people that say you have to do it with a feather and some people that say, you know, there, there's even different kinds of sage. There's white sage. There's Red three sisters. Sage. There's, yeah. Well, wouldn't you think, though, if we just laid it out there, what works for you as the person smudging, if you believe it, mm-hmm. then that's what you need to do. I mean, I, I, yeah. think, I think that's really most of it. I mean, if you don't, if you're doing something that you don't believe in then it's not going to work mm-hmm. you know if you're like oh and but if you if you're committed to it then right. then it then you should feel good about what you're doing because mm-hmm. you're you know you are by by having that practice you're putting that intention and energy into that mm-hmm. into that space which right. has a purpose mm-hmm. and has a right. um an outcome right. and, and that's something that again to me whether you're having a, a theoretical physics conversation with someone, you're listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson, or you're talking to one of the witches on my team, it's the same conversation. It's mm-hmm. you know, it all comes down to focusing your intention and energy. And I believe, I I believe, and I could be wrong. I've never been dead, so I, I can't say I've been to the other side and, and confirmed this. But I just have this feeling that we are stronger than just about anything that might be occupying our homes or, or businesses. Uh, yeah. So, you know, just, uh, just having a conversation as though this was a living person mm-hmm. typically yields results for me. You know, yeah. when you when you said just, you know, it can be as simple as asking the spirit to stop. Um, so I, one of my experiences, I used to stay at a bed and breakfast in Milwaukee. Uh, and I, I for for six years, I stayed there with great frequency. And upon checking in my very first time, it was apparent to me that there were things going on there. And it was, you know, the the whole, you know, seeing shadows behind you kind mm-hmm. of, you know, those, yeah. all those in just the feeling of the air and I could feel it. And I asked the the owner of the home at the time, you know, hey, what, what's going on here? You know, <laughs> she's like, well, here's a glass of wine. Let's talk about this. <laughs> and um, so there were several spirits in the house. It was a very very old home, and um, one of the the one of the, early on, I uh, was was getting ready to take a shower. So I close all the window blinds. You know, I go and take my shower, and then I come back in the room, and all the window blinds had been opened. And so I was like, okay, so she doesn't like the windows to be shut. Okay, she, you know, she's in this house all the time. I get it. You'd want to see the outside too, you know. So anyway, I kind of made a deal that every time I would close the blinds, I'd leave one at least open or partially open for, you know, and she respected that. And I know that this was Aunt Pussy. So she was, <laughs> right, that was, her right. name was Aunt Pussy. So there was Aunt Pussy and a few children. And yeah. So, uh, because she's I, French. Right. Yeah. I had, I had asked, I had asked the bed and breakfast owner at the time. I was like, you know, I told her about the blinds. She's like, oh, yeah, that's Aunt Pussy. She doesn't like the windows to be shut. So I, um, because I was there with frequency and because I honored her, her, you know, request, she started getting very comfortable with me mm-hmm. and would spend a fair amount of time in my room. And it got to the point where she would come and sit on my bed at night and look out the window. 
And that's when I was like, I can't do this anymore. Well, <laughs> well and when she was wearing your dresses and stuff, and like, <laughs> didn't even ask, right? my wife. She was like, yeah. yeah. I mean, she was borrowing her clothes. Like, right. like yeah, yeah, that that's was a little much. Emily so drew the line there. I would have. I did. I did draw the line. I was like, I can't. She's giving me in my handbag back. That does not go with that outfit. <laughs> so when you were experiencing this, were you in a sleep state? Was this something where you were like in that twilight? I'm not quite asleep, not quite awake. All varying, all varied moments. So um, often, and how much I wine would, had you had? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, how many spirits it's, were ingested? Uh, <laughs> I would say, um, you know, it, it would become known to me that she was there, you know, just checking in, you know, mm-hmm. into the room, and then, you know. What would happen is at night I'd wake up and she'd be on my bed. And at first, um, it would I would feel her presence come in, and I would feel, and it was I would see it wasn't a full like I would see kind of a haziness, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a white haziness. And I would notice my bed like you would I would feel the presence mm-hmm. on my bed. And then as time went on. I started seeing her more clearly, like I actually started seeing her. Mm-hmm. So, um, I believe you know, it. Yeah. 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 That, that, that sounds familiar. I mm-hmm. mean, that's a, a fairly common for people who are open to it. Um, they email each other now. Emily hasn't been back. <laughs> hey, I'm coming yeah. by your room at two eight. Yeah, they just tonight. said now they, she has to borrow your clothes, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. They are. On. And I think women too, because we tend to be a little more empathetic, nothing against mm-hmm. men. Um, but there's a uh, communication on a deeper level sometimes. Um, we're more feelers. Um, women tend to be a little more easy to pick up on. I, I Just in my experience, it, it certainly seems. We mm-hmm. are we're usually tend to pick up on things a little bit more in the, in the living world as well. Nothing against men, but we definitely, yeah, we definitely... <laughs> a, little, a little more observant. A little more, yeah. yeah we've been sensitive energies. But I think we need to take a quick break because we, some of us need some more wine. Definitely. And uh, then we will come back and continue talking about uh, your experiences, Lacey. This is fan- fascinating. Fun. Sounds great. We are back. So as um, we were leaving, a thought, leaving for our break anyway, a a thought had come to mind because we were just talking about spiritual energy and um, how women, we can be a little bit more naturally intuitive and empathetic. And it just made me think of how, you know, speaking of intuition, a lot of times we can kind of pick up on various factors when we're near somebody like we can intuitively tell if they're sad or intuitively tell Mm -hmm. if they're creepy you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. right and so I guess my my thought is like this is all energy right they're putting off a vibe Mm -hmm. that we're picking up which is really no different than spiritual energy well it's maybe a different form of energy but it's it's kind of in the same thing I agree does that I agree yeah I think the approach that my team takes to spirit communication, treating it like we are talking to a living person that we just can't see, um, makes a difference. Do they? Do you think that often they don't know that they've passed, or do they? 
I think sometimes that's the case, you know. I see dead people kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, again, harking back to, you know, the the cholera epidemic or, you know, the plague, things like that. I mean, you could be healthy in the morning and dead by night. Mm -hmm. Battlefields, you know, Gettysburg seems to be ground zero for for sightings, actual sightings of apparitions. And that makes a lot of sense to me. Again, all this energy of these, you know, young men charging into battle and then just boom, they're dead. Mm -hmm. I I think there is something to that. Hmm. Well, um, Lacey, you keep talking about a team, that you have a Mm -hmm. team. And I, uh, Emily said that you run Haunted St. Louis or Haunted STL. What exactly are you doing in St. Louis? I mean, what is your focus? Well, I'm from St. Louis. You know, Mm -hmm. I mentioned my family's been here for a long time, about 200 years, actually. And I know that there have been other teams that are in the, we'll call it paranormal tourism business. Tourism, okay. But I I think if you are a native St. Louisan and you understand some of the context behind some of the political situations maybe that we've lived through or the the cultural situations that we've lived through. I feel it's very important to focus on historical accuracy, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to make money talking about dead people who are not here to defend themselves, mm-hmm. you better get it right. And I think you need to have very good intentions with that. I'm going to die at some point and I don't want mm-hmm. to deal with an angry mob on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I really got into it out of my own curiosity, but then sort of felt a need to fix the niche. Um, I just can't sell something as haunted that isn't really haunted. Mm -hmm. And so part of it came from being possessive of a city that I love so much and wanting to make sure that if a tourist comes here from, you know, another state that they leave with the real story and... I go back to the the root or the very beginning, you know, dealing with Mississippian civilization before I get into what else contributes to some of the paranormal activity around here. So, well, do you stay busy all year round? Yes. Not just in Halloween time? No, no. Um, When everybody else is hunting Easter eggs, we're hunting ghosts. It's it's a year-round. Ghosts don't care what time of day it is. They don't care what season it is. I will say that the veil is thinner, as they say, around wintertime. You are— Why is that? uh, uh, That's a good question. Um, Things are are quieter in the winter. It's it's a time for reflection. Things are— in transition, um, they're dormant. It's it's quiet. It's a lot of things die. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you think all the way back to the origins of of celebrating Halloween or or celebrating your ancestor spirits, that's the time when you do those things. Right. Um, Samhain is is sort of the real Halloween. Looks like Samhain on your calendar. That's mm. the day that you would pay homage to your ancestor spirits. And that is when the veil According is According to what religion or... Um, I would say, to put a blanket on it, paganism. Okay. Um, I I know a lot of people... I, I personally am agnostic. I know too many people that believe so strongly in, in different things mm-hmm. that verdict's out for me mm-hmm. on a lot of that. But I think when you relied on an understanding of 
seasons and the cycles and, you know, elements and things like that, you are a lot more in tune with those things. Mm -hmm. We are distracted by our electronics and our televisions and our phones and our climate control and our automobiles and I think those um those sort of ancient teachings that that bring you back to some of the more natural things in life um can open you up to some of that mm-hmm. and that's typically the season that right makes the most sense if you want to so you provide your- this this uh Paranormal tourism uh, in St. Louis to locals, you know, visitors from outside. But uh, you know, like I, I, we've had this conversation, but you're you're taking this beyond just the ghost, uh, story. The, the ghost tour around Bell Fountain, mm-hmm. Bell Fountain Cemetery, or Old North. I mean, what could you share with our listeners, like where they might be able to find you if yeah, they're not from St. Louis? Absolutely. Up? So we do have a website. It's hauntedstltours.com or just hauntedstl on Facebook. Okay. I'm kind of a one woman show when it comes to the tours. Um, I can't teach everything. Uh, so I, I, I like to be a little possessive of that aspect of it. I like to give private tours. I've, I think the largest group I've had was maybe 15 people. Um, and that was an all day. They, they had me for 12 hours. I, I mean, we were all over the place. I like sort of choose your own adventure tours. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have, you know, your uh, typical, you know, one or, or three hour set schedules, but Again, nothing scripted, and I think that's what makes it a little different. Um, I have a podcast coming, and a, we're actually filming a potential reality show um, as well. And and I how exciting! It's it's exciting and nerve wracking, and all of this has happened naturally. Um, we have to be authentic with how we do things, and everything from just the misfit toy group of people I have on this team to the way we give the tours to some of the hidden places that I know about that are sort of off the beaten path make it all work. Well, I have a, I have this, uh, a belief and I've, I've stated it on the show before that when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, things just fall into place and doors open. And it sounds like this was a love of yours for your whole life, mm-hmm. you know, and then you, you sort of massaged it a little bit and, you know, volunteered here and there. And then you, you took like a giant leap, what, a year ago to say, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. This is going to be my life. It it was a huge leap of faith, and it's terrifying. It's terrifying yes, you, to quit your your comfortable day job and your being, and, and being the cute girl in the flower shop, right? <laughs> it's, it, it was terrifying. I, I I left stability yeah. as a single woman too, and and put my retirement on the line and everything to do this because I I do believe in it. I'm yeah. passionate about the city that we live in. I think we can do better. I think you have to understand our past to make sense of why we are the way we are and and we are quirky to say the least here but and to make good decisions moving forward as well if you understand the past absolutely so you took that leap of faith you've got the the possible reality tv show the haunted stl is taking off yeah i mean this i mean to me those are doors that are opening up and which which should be a, a, a what's an affirmation that you are on the right path even though 
I know that that's the case. I'm not going to say it still isn't really scary. I mean, of being course. an entrepreneur, what, like 99% of all small businesses fail. I mean, those are some scary odds, but I just, on a almost daily basis, will run across some new resource with some new piece of information that is incredibly helpful to whatever it is I'm trying to do. Somehow... Some way the universe has supported me on this journey while in my friends and family. Right. But it's, I think when you try to do things the right way and for mutual benefit as well, like I'm not going to present something as though I'm the expert in that, that field. I will bring the person with me Mm -hmm. that is, and we'll talk about it together, but I'm open to learning from other people. You know, I, I volunteer at Bella Fountain Cemetery. It's a beautiful, one historically rich, amazing place to be. And just the other archivists that and volunteers that work there, I, I learn something new all the time. And that just grows the network even larger and... and I mean, I know you're tremendously busy, but it sounds to me like you are accumulating a wealth of knowledge that would be really... Um, great uh, turned into a book or a blog or, you know, the resources that you have from everything from I'm a new entrepreneur doing something new and I need something daily that inspires me and gives me hope to here are the things I'm doing to expand my knowledge about my industry. Like it all sounds fascinating to me. I I just keep bringing my friends along with me and the people on my team along with me, if nothing else, to bear witness to some of these things that are happening. <laughs> I can't possibly process all of the the things right now with as much time as I would like to. I am bordering on insanity with some mm. of the the big projects and all of the possibilities right now. It's amazing. It's still terrifying. I, I want to do things the right way. And, you know, you, you can have too many opportunities where you're doing too many things poorly and not enough very right. well. Very true. Um, but I think the path that's sort of laid out for me um, is the right one yeah. Yeah. right now. Yeah, it's, it feels like it to me, mm-hmm. definitely. What is the name of the reality show? It doesn't have a name yet. Okay. We just started filming um, Friday, actually. Okay. And so it's a concept. It's, it's a concept, and it's it's being... There's some creative direction from a fairly well-known network. I'm not sure if I can say what that is just yet. Yeah, don't do anything. But better not get in trouble. Yeah, that, no, no need to get in trouble. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's centered around what we do naturally. And oh, perfect. Yeah, it, it's it feels incredibly natural, but it's also surreal that that could be me soon. Yeah. Of course, it could be you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just it feels strange and yet strangely comfortable. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they say if you do what you love, the money will come. You know, the last time I was this passionate about something, Mm -hmm. I made a 20-year career out of working with animals in the veterinary field. And I felt the same level of passion when I decided to walk away from that and try this. And I have been given what I need just in the nick of time too often for me to think that that's just coincidental. Yeah. So kind of tying back two of your careers, animals and um, this of the, the paranormal, knowing that animals um, have these sensitivities and it's part of what expanded your curiosity, mm-hmm. um, is there such a thing as a 
you know, we have emotional support animals. We have, you know, all kinds of, are there animals that are trained for this job? I don't think they have to be trained. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we seen, you know, the, the, Dog barking at nothing that people video or the cat freaking out and, you know, hissing at nothing. So maybe my yappy dog in the window is barking at something that (laughs) is like legit and not just a leaf blowing down. Pets, pets and people communicate without verbal language. And I don't think that stops Mm -hmm. when you change form, so to speak. I I think that bond can still Mm -hmm. be there. Wow. Well, this has, been, too. this has been absolutely fantastic <laughs> Yeah, I today. know, I know. I just was like, oh, can we just have like a whole conversation sometime just talking ghost stories? <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe we a could. Halloween episode, you know? We could. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Um, this has just been wonderful, Lacey, and I, I wish you a, a ton of good luck or best wishes Thank as you, you continue I'll take all the good down. juju I can get. Yeah, oh. as you continue to go down this path and the podcast and the reality TV show. And, um, yes, know, and, and, and please. keep us posted. Absolutely, because so can, as things start to develop for you, we're, we're happy to share with our listeners more about, you know, your podcast coming up and your, your TV show. And, and of course, you. when you come to St. Louis— you, you have to do the haunted STL. Do, yes. I know that we had to cancel on you when we were going to go to Bell Fountain Cemetery, but I am still very interested. And Let's so hopefully we'll We're going to schedule get that, that momentarily. <laughs> well, when it's a little warmer. Yeah, well, you know, one thing I, mean, like, I will say, it really doesn't matter what the temperature is. The, the the vehicle that I drive you around in is climate controlled. Why did I think we were walking like walking? I it? would never do that in this weather. <laughs> I, I can't handle that. I'm not built for the cold. Okay. No, Fair but I've enough. got a nice warm shuttle and I will take you. You can get in and out as much as you would like. Okay. Well, then that's great. Then we don't need to push okay, it off so, as far so into the spring like, as we thought yeah, we were going maybe, to. Maybe in a few weeks here. So yeah, the look cool with a little snow. Well, we'll make yeah. sure to when we do take the tour, take lots of photos and we'll share them with our audience. You never know what you'll get in those photos. That's true. Right, and uh, I'll put it out there. And if there's somebody that's listening to this in St. Louis that wants to come along with us, please send us an email, and we'll oh, try to get absolutely. that absolutely sorted out. Maybe it's some kind of clearly, uh, clearly speaking, the podcast tour of Bell Fountain Cemetery. Oh, All that the really marvelous, amazingly cool women that are buried there. Oh, that's a whole other side project. There are some women that we didn't even know were of any historical significance until recently. Fantastic. They have trusted me, um, for which I'm very grateful, to work cataloging some of the the, the things that the cemetery has in its possession, and, and that's everything from paperwork that archives How very exciting. interesting things to photographs and, and artifacts. And yeah, there are a lot oh, of wonderful. very influential women that their story has either been um, intentionally muted or miscommunicated mm-hmm. um, and maybe unintentionally, but there are a lot of women that deserve to have their stories well, that they're in good fun. hands. I, I think they're in very I, good hands with you. Thank you for that. It's, yeah. it's a responsibility I don't take lightly. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of other people working on bringing their stories to light, and I, I feel fortunate to get to um, 
participate in that. Keep us posted on that project as well. That sounds very fascinating. So, well, thank you so much for joining us, Lacey. We look forward to so many more conversations with you. A lot more to come. Yes, absolutely. Well, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Sweet, peaceful dreams. And no ghosts (laughs) by your bed. Stay (laughs) on my bed. So like us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and uh, follow us on um, all of our socials. Yes, uh, absolutely. Subscribe. And tell your friends. Tell your friends. Leave reviews. That's the way that other people can learn about us here at Clear Speaking, the podcast. And thank you, as always, for being such wonderful listeners. That's right. Thank you for being a part of our Clitterati. Bye. Have a great day. Bye-bye.